Welcome to We Got Your Mac from SHI. If you're an enterprise executive or business leader trying to decide if Mac adoption at scale is right for your organization, this is the show for you. This week's hosts are Victoria Barber and Kevin English. Hi, Victoria. Morning, Kevin. It's a cold, rainy morning in uh, central New Jersey. It feels like I am in Europe or in the UK. Yeah, well, it's a a cold, rainy afternoon here. So, uh, yeah, the weather is very similar. So I want to go back to something you said. You made a comment in a previous episode about your office setup. Talk to me about all these monitors that you have going on. Okay, so first of all, I have two desks, right? I have a standing desk with a treadmill underneath it, which I know, you know, you've seen me on and some people complain it makes them feel seasick. But hey, I get my 20,000 steps a day in. So that has two monitors. It's got one vertical for, for, for working on Word documents, one horizontal for my spreadsheets and my PowerPoints and things like that. And then I have a desk that I sit at occasionally when I you know, need to stop walking. And that has two monitors and a docking station and a light on it as well. Oh, and both of them have external cameras and microphones. And the seated desk is where I have, so I have my work laptop or my main lap, my Windows laptop on the standing desk and I have the Chromebook and the MacBook on the seated desk. Excessive. One word, excessive. And I'm not being judgy. I'm just... I'm the opposite. I'm a minimalist. I guess the dual monitor thing has never been needed. I mean, I've been on the Mac for a while, but I literally use my MacBook Pro currently, my 15 inch, and that's it. The camera is great. I plug in this microphone that I was given for the podcast, and that is my setup, like legit. I do have some external keyboard. To be fair, you're doing your your video recording for the podcast. You're doing in a studio, so you've got a full setup. Fair point. I go to a place that has a better setup than anybody could possibly have at their home. Yeah. But my in my house, I do a lot of internal podcasts and video calls. You know, we're on calls nine to five back to back. And so I just like to keep it simple because with technology, it always seems like Murphy's Law is there. Yeah. So any, anyway, the point of this conversation was not actually for you to give me a hard time about how much electronic crap I have in my house. It was to talk about accessories because you were telling me all about the new Apple Pencil and I'm not an Apple Pencil user. So you explained to me the business benefits, how it helps you during your day. Yeah. I don't know all of the new features of the new Apple Pencil. I was just so surprised that they have released an update. One thing I saw for sure was that the charging mechanism has a USB-C port. So I thought that that was interesting. The thing I love about the Apple Pencil is just the way that it feels in my hand. I'm not a Apple Pencil note taker, but I do like to do markups on PowerPoints or PDFs with my Apple Pencil or just just hold it. Um, because in my daily life, I'm a number two pencil guy. I like pen and paper, pencil and paper. Yeah, so I suspect that your office is a bit like mine, littered with bits of paper, post-it notes. Hundreds of journals. Uh, yeah. Not like Dear Diary, but just kind of what I'm working on at the moment. I've yeah. got stacks of them that I don't get rid of yeah. for some reason. <laughs> I'm sure they'll come in useful one day. So what are the other accessories that you're a particular fan of then and that you use? So for me, I've got I've got the kit, right? Like I've got an Apple Watch, which I need to upgrade. <laughs> I've got an, an iPhone. And so my Belkin two-in-one sort of Apple Watch 
iPhone charger that allows me to kind of tilt my iPhone in horizontal mode and have an alarm clock. That that's like my next killer accessory and kind of my the only other thing that's on my desk other than some junk and notes at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's the great thing about video meetings. It's at least nobody ever actually gets to see the surface of your desk because the camera is above it. Thank God for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, from my perspective, when it comes to accessories for business, the one that I really perhaps didn't understand the benefits of and have come to, to appreciate is actually the AirTag. I fly out of a very small airport in the UK and all of my international flights are from Amsterdam. So I can't take carry on only because by the time I've got my laptop and a toothbrush, that's it. That's as much as I can take on the plane. So I take hold luggage and rather than having to wonder is, is it going to get from the plane onto my next flight? I know that it's there because I can see that it's traveled to the same part of the terminal as me. Wait, what do you call checked baggage? Did you say on hold? Hold baggage, stuff that goes in the hold. So yeah, checked baggage. (laughs) That's odd. Uh, We call it checked baggage. You have to check your bag. So the carry-on that I referred to, that was American. In English, that's hand luggage. (laughs) I love it. So yeah, so I like the fact that I now know that my suitcase is in the same part of the airport as me, even if I don't have to go and pick it up and it's just going on to the next plane. And I also like the fact that, you know, when I come out through passport control, immigration, I don't have to stand there staring at the baggage carousel, wondering whether I'm going to spot my bag because the moment it pops out, I get an alert on my phone. So it's removed some of the stress of taking that checked baggage, as you call it, whereas you know, I would prefer to fly fly with carry-on only so I could just walk straight off. If I can't do that, then having something that lets me know where it was last seen and will alert me as soon as it's near me is a massive bonus. I never check my bag. It's not a good experience in the US. I fly out of Newark, New Jersey, and you're standing an extra hour after you're out of the plane. So over my dead body, you're going to take my bag. However, I don't put an air tag in that. I do have an air tag in everything else. My laptop bag, my wallet, my everything starts dinging though as I go far away from something, my AirPods, my AirPod Max, my air tags like I've got notification overkill on those and so I think I need to scale back some of my air tag. The air tag is so itty bitty but it it has so much functionality. I think we're living in like the Jetsons era here. Exciting time. What's important is, you know, everybody works differently. And I think that's why there is so much variety in terms of, of accessories. Very true. Different people need different things. So anyway, with that, I guess it's time for us to stop chatting and coming up with our wish lists of uh, yet more accessories that we might need and um, and get on with today's episode. Great. So we've talked a lot in previous episodes about how hard it is to put Mac devices in a Windows-centric environment, and the complexities change depending on the size of the organization or exactly what the use cases are in that organization. So I've invited a good friend of mine, Matt Carey. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Matt runs our MVP support team. So Matt, tell us a little bit about how you started at SHI, when you started, and and kind of, you know, the difference between a greenfield environment and what might be an old traditional Windows environment. Yeah, so 
We started in a, in a group at the time that was really focused on delivering managed services and professional services to our, our enterprise, large customers, our global customers. But I think what we've, what we've seen over, over that transition is not only customer-wise from the organizations we're supporting, but the, the type of users or the, or the type of uh, resources on my team have asked and, and looked at how they support customers differently. And a lot of that comes down to the device they use. So Windows versus Mac versus some of the other, the other devices out there. So it's been, it's been interesting. It is a personal preference. Which side are you on? Do you use a Mac for work or do you use Windows? I'm a Mac guy. I don't think I even know how to turn on a Windows computer at this point. I, if you put it in front of me, I, I, I wouldn't know where to go. I've been on a Mac for years and years. I'm one of the guys that I have, I have an Apple Watch, I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, I have AirPods, and I have a Mac, and I upgrade them about every year. But you primarily do Windows services. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yeah. 90, 90 to 95% of our support is Microsoft-led and Windows. So talk about being in a cloud-based environment. Is that different from, say, a legacy organization, sort of a large, you talked about large enterprises globally. I would have to say that they're struggling to get to the cloud, but you were born in the cloud. So tell me the differences there and why that matters in, in putting Mac in your environment. Yeah, our team took a, a more modern approach when we were developing the, the structure and the resources we needed. So instead of looking at, even internally, instead of looking at leveraging you know, our own data centers and some of our own internal legacy applications, we went and procured our own services that more aligned to the direction and the scale and the speed at which we had to deliver the services. So born in the cloud, um, all SaaS-based, all remote. Our entire organization globally is remote. We have we have presence in five countries, including the U.S. So for us, it was really about delivering the best experience for our team, so that way we can support our customers better. But we don't care about the the traditional complexities of large global organizations. We don't have to worry about complex networks. We don't have to worry about accessing uh, you know legacy Windows based applications. For us, as long as there's a strong enough internet connection, we can do our job. Right. So you said five countries total, or that's U.S. plus five other countries? That's U.S. plus four other countries, so five countries total, for just for the representation of our team. Uh, we support customers in over 40 countries today. And you're doing this with, how are you managing all this? With Jamf, with Intune? Like, what's your, your way to keep these devices secure? We've used Jamf in the past, uh, but we're actually using Intune now. So there were some learning curves that had to, that had to happen uh, as we were learning how to properly ingest uh, a lot of Mac devices and, and get them into our management tools. But we are 100% Microsoft-centric as it relates to the, our management tools. So uh, it didn't make sense for us to necessarily use Jamf anymore. So we are in tune on everything. So ABM or Apple Business Manager for the provisioning, and then that pushes... Or the security stuff, the applications come in through Intune, though, not Jam. That's correct. And how has that process been? Does that work? Yeah. Once you learn a couple of the, the nuances and the intricacies of the, the platform, it, it does work quite well, actually. I mean, I'm not on the engineering side. I'm actually on our, our business development and sales side. And I, I was actually able to enroll 15 devices myself. Okay. Package them, repackage them back up. And, you know, obviously I had the help of my, my technical team, but uh, package them back up and get them out the door to, to our team um, that we're actually excited to, to learn and, and they were going to get a new MacBook. So, Matt, you and I discussed how you went from Jamf to now Intune to manage your Macs. But what's the ratio within your organization of Windows devices versus Mac devices? 
In our organization, we're still probably 80-20 windows. Okay. I think that there's there's probably there's probably technical alignment there that makes sense to still for us keep a lot of the, the engineers on windows at times. But what's interesting is we support a lot of global customers for a lot of large organizations with a with a big population of devices. So we've seen the mix. We we've seen a lot of the more legacy organizations still on Windows with with considering this this adoption of Mac devices or, or giving you know giving their employees choice. We've also seen it the other way too, where agencies or people on the creative side or in the production side, you know, some of the, the large organizations there have gone more in the Mac direction because of some of the functionality they get. So I think that the business requirements and the type of business, at least from my perspective, probably drive some of the uh, some of the interested to change, um, and that probably also drives a lot of the the management platforms as well. So the Jamf versus Intune and the Intune versus Jamf. I, I think there's probably technical reasons. So what should people think about then if they're if they're eighty twenty like you? Mm-hmm. What should they be thinking about? What is the deciding factors between you know Jamf? in tune, say Workspace One, Kanji, or one of the other five or so MDM solutions that could manage Mac? For us, at least, and I think for the organizations we're talking about, I don't think it's a small undertaking for anybody to, I think you need to be really, really honest with yourself and with your organization to determine cost, bandwidth, migration strategies, capabilities of actually making a move. Hmm. Usually I hear cost as the deciding factor, by the way. Jamf is X, Intune yeah. is Y. So CFOs are making the decisions, not the CTOs or the IT directors. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. I mean, cost is, I think cost for anything net new is challenging, but I think we also have to look at when we have to look at cost versus value. And if you already have licensing that gives you access to Intune, it's already included in your in your Microsoft Enterprise licensing. So I think a lot of that, when we talk about cost, there's a lot of that decision also being made. So we're we, we need to stop, you know, or at least for the organizations we're working with, there's there's a goal to obviously reduce operating costs, but also to to, to stop paying twice for applications or services that people are using. So I think when we, when we consolidate cloud services, this is a big, this, that's a big component. Yeah. One of my colleagues call it tech sediment, right? Where you buy something and you never sunset it. You just buy the next tool and you layer it on top. You're one of these hybrids. The reasons why I invited you is because you're in between the technical engineering piece and the executives. You're able to talk tech, but then understand the business objectives of the C-suite. So how is it different for the different use cases within your organization, engineering with Max versus, say, the CEO or the COO? Yeah, so some of our engineers uh, still have, uh, they still have a requirement to have Windows PCs for the type of work they have to do for, you know, Whatever it is, so a lot of a lot of them will have preference will be Mac because of the interoperability and the usability. We all on our team also use like the basic functionality of Mac, iMessage, and things like that to communicate more effectively. It's really it's really unique and it's really helpful. We can text each other as a tool, like another email. When we start to talk about our C suite and our executive layer, that's where things actually probably got the most challenging. So when you have People set in their ways. You have sometimes the C-suite is a little bit older, right? They're they're not so much on the cutting edge. The training element was a little different. Trying to get that adoption and and walking these walking some of the executives through how to log in, how to look at your file structure differently. A lot of the stuff that if you have worked on a Mac for a long time, it just comes very easy. But your hotkeys are different. Everything is different about the Mac OS. That's so interesting. I think a lot of people think it's the technology itself. But it's really the training. It's the communication plan. It's like 
where's my start button, quote unquote, right? Yeah. And how long did that take to kind of get people up to speed? Is that still in process? Still in process. Yeah. I still get a call. I get, because I'm, I'm a big proponent of pushing the, the Mac devices to most of the organization. I think it's from a management perspective, they're easier to manage. I think they break less. And so it, it's helpful for our team. They last longer. They last longer. Yeah, I didn't. I choose to replace mine all the time because I, I I like the bells and the whistles, but you don't need to. I, I've had Macs for years, but a lot of our team is still on the M1 and they, they're perfect computers, but yeah. it is a it is a process. And it I think we didn't realize it was as much of a process and we didn't have necessarily the, the right internal mechanisms in place to deal with some of those questions because there's more questions than we anticipated. So I think that as, if, we're, as we, if we were to redo this strategy and communication would absolutely be more on the forefront than just focusing on the technology side. That kind of caught us off guard. Interesting. That's a pro tip. One of the reasons why we're, we're going down the this path with Mac, one, I think it's a great platform, but two, even from a recruiting perspective and a really challenging market, choice is, is an interesting value added benefit for when these when we're talking to new engineers and new resources for, for our organization. So giving them the choice to choose between a Mac and a Windows and, and whatever, not limiting them is actually a, a nice sales pitch. It's... <laughs> For whatever reason, it's one of those things that we're seeing a higher success rate with recruiting because of it. So interesting. Something to think about. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Kevin. We Got Your Mac is produced by SHI International, a trusted global provider of end-user computing, hybrid infrastructure, and cybersecurity solutions to many of the world's most demanding technology users. SHI has more than 20 years' experience helping private and public sector organizations adopt Apple technologies and is an authorized Apple reseller. To be the first to hear or watch new episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and hit the notifications icon. Visit WeGotYourMac.com or SHI.com to solve what's next in delivering Mac at scale across your organization.